Welcome to the Crowfall Podcast, where we share stories and perspectives from the world of Crowfall with your hosts, Chris and Walker. This is Walker, and this week we share stories from our latest dregs outings and talk about the value of a shot collar in big group fights. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Minds at Crowfall Pod. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Chris. Chris, how you doing today, man? I'm feeling pretty proud today. Proud? Yeah. And and let me ask, is that proud because this is episode 23, which is Michael Jordan's number? And so you <laughs> feel an affinity with the GOAT right now? I mean, yeah, we could go with that. Okay, cool. I like that. Cool. Hear that, LeBron fans? <laughs> MJ the GOAT. All right, I'm sorry. <laughs> Oh, we got can't forget twenty four too. It's going to be epic. That's true. That's true. And I'm actually not even really a Jordan fan. I mean, I you know <laughs> we grew up in the '90s, so yeah, I like Michael Jordan. But like you're Jordan. right. You're right. Yeah, but I mean, twenty four is you know, and we don't mean Kiefer Sutherland unless you did also a fan <laughs> of that. And Kevin Bacon. <laughs> Do you mean Christian Slater? Oh right, that's that's the one. <laughs> I wonder. We're gonna so we we don't ever time it, and I'm gonna start though. <laughs> right now it's 90 seconds in, and that's we're fine. here. That's so, fine. Yeah. Anyway, okay. So you're feeling proud, and you would feel proud yeah. because, well, as you know, I mean we've we've had kind of a a lengthy ramp up as we have participated in the dregs and a lot of the crafting and such has progressed really nicely though. I mean, I mean, were we in our third dregs now, mm. but uh, maybe that's fourth, but I think this is five actually. Okay. okay. We didn't go to the first one very much. We just showed up at the very last week to skis points skis but... points. Right. Well, we'll go with like uh, four full full ones. Okay. And, yeah. I mean, our our first full one. I mean, we were largely being, I would say, really dependent on the alliance for crafting, right, equipment and, and things like that. But this Drake's, we've we've ramped up our our own guild crafting. And we were able to participate in some of the offensives with bringing top-tier Siege, uh, MK4, Trebs, mm-hmm. being able to craft those, which is huge. I'm a fan of, of high-quality Siege equipment. We were kind of spoiled in that first full drags because we had a guild that was pretty focused on supplying the Siege. Whatever happened to those guys? They just bail? Yeah, I uh, ended up taking breaks, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it was, some of them went to play New World, but yeah. so far they haven't made it back. But I've been uh, steadily keeping in touch with, with those folks, Ooh. hoping that at some point, right? Right. <laughs> There's a lot of good players in that alliance, so it would be a shame that they never played again. You know, game's different now. <laughs> Yeah, I'm. You know, I'm just completely just going off the rail here. But 
I, you know, I said this to you privately somewhat recently, and I have probably said it before here too, but I know in my own experience, I mean, like we said, when we very first started this podcast, we weren't beta players of Crowfall. Mm-hmm. So Crowfall was new, but MMOs are not new to me. I've just, I've played a lot as of you. Yeah. And even with all of that experience, Crowfall does things differently enough that, uh, frankly, I think I was just kind of confused by it for a while. And I don't mean just like literally how it works, but just like, I don't know how to think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess, so what it kind of reminds me of is like, and man, I, I this th- this thing that I'm about to cite is from probably a decade ago now, and it wasn't that big of a deal a decade ago, but... There was this documentary that I'd watched one time that was it was basically talking about Clear Chan Clear Channel, which became iHeartRadio, mm-hmm. and how they were like buying up all these radio stations. They own I don't know what it is now, but at some point they owned like ninety percent of radio stations in the United States. Mm-hmm. And radio stations in the United States used to be local, completely separate entities, and so a disc jockey really mattered potentially because you're subjected to their personal taste to some extent. So if you had someone that had really good taste, which again is always subjective, but whatever, potentially you could discover music through them that you maybe wouldn't otherwise. Mm -hmm. But once this corporate iHeartRadio eventually it becomes takeover happens, all of that goes out because now they're looking at it from a data perspective of like, no, I don't care if (laughs) that indie band song means more artistically to some people britney spears gets more listens right and that's Uh how we sell ads and that's the way this whole thing works so yep so they were talking about though how like in this modern era of pop music and again this is now all shifted a lot because when when this came out the streaming services were not spotify wasn't what it is now right so Mm -hmm. my point being none of this is a legitimate perspective on how the music industry is today but either way, they talked about how back in the day, if you heard something on the radio and you didn't like it, now obviously if it was just like a cacophony of terrible sounds, then fine. But but assuming it's like maybe an artist that you had previously liked or a style of music that you were already familiar with, but you hear a new song and you don't like it, oftentimes that was the indicator that you really had something special on your hands mm. because it was unfamiliar. And so it wasn't that you didn't like it, it was that you didn't know how to fitted into your box of expectations that you had. Right, right. But that kind of went away once the corporate takeover happens because no one cares anymore about, you know, what might be good is just what sells today, right? <laughs> All of that is to say that I think with Crowfall, at least for me, I feel like that's been my experience with it to some extent, that when I first encountered it and when I'm first introducing myself to all these systems it's very challenging to to fit it into my own expectations. Mm-hmm. But over time, as I've continued to expose myself to it and continue to come back, I've actually just fallen more in love with, with a lot of what it has to offer. And the reason I offer that long-winded rant is because I think that people who have gone away, whether it be for New World or for whatever reason, I hope they do come back because whatever they thought they thought about it, might not be the same even if 
it isn't a totally different game, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what I was kind of getting at. I mean, there has been a lot of awesome changes, but, you know, at the same time, it's still the core experience that they kind of set out to give. But yeah, I definitely relate to that because, I mean, even now, there are still times where that confusion still seeps in. And even starting out, I don't know. I mean, when you're looking for that expectation of a traditional MMO, I mean, there's less of that here, I I think. And then if you're trying to focus on that, I mean, it would only add to the frustration of trying to make sense of it. But I mean, if that's all your experience of what you have to pull from, of course it's going to be confusing. I mean, it's totally different. I mean, just the simple idea of deploying into a campaign, right? Mm-hmm. Where, right. I mean, if you see it as like for a month or however long it's going to be, I'm going to play here in this area. I want to have baseline crafting or gathering to sustain whatever your group is or individual needs are but then understanding that like there's also this character account progression that's happening outside separate of those campaigns and how to fit in being able to craft there or if that's beneficial you know talking about the import tokens and whatnot but i mean there's just a lot to to kind of get your head around yeah, well, I think, honestly, I mean, obviously there's a, a lot of things that are different, but I think that maybe the biggest difference is that in, so in a game, I'll just use WoW because I always use WoW because whatever, but in a game like WoW, it's like, okay, I, I pick my race, I pick my class, and then there's three specs to pick from per class, four, I guess, if you play the Druid. <laughs> Two, if you play the Demon Hunter. Anyway, <laughs> generally there's three specs. And then within each one of those specs, I think there's like six choices that you make for talents or eight choices or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but there's not a ton of variety. Like, if you're going to be a mage, there's Frostfire and Arcane and WoW. Well, maybe they play differently, sure. But in the end, like, they're basically all mage. And actually, we won't even do that because that's unfair. Let's do Druid in WoW, which has four specs, and, and they all play differently. One's a tank, one's a healer, one's a ranged DPS, one's a melee DPS. Mm-hmm. So it fills all the different archetypes and whatever. Mm-hmm. But but you choose that archetype pretty early on, and you can respec out of it and whatever. But either way, it's like you're kind of locked into what you're going to be doing mm-hmm. relatively quickly. And there's not a lot of variety, whereas, like, I'm playing an assassin that's a cutthroat in Crowfall, Mm -hmm. and it's the same talent spec, but I, I, the only thing I changed was my domain so that I could use a different set of disciplines. Mm -hmm. Well, it's a half-elf, so it's actually five different disciplines, two majors and three minors, that I swapped out. The character just plays a lot differently now you know what i mean like there's just i mean it's not 
it's not a mage all of a sudden. It's still an assassin. But there's just a lot of variety just within the disciplines. And it's not like the change that I made is one of two choices. Like, there's so many possibilities, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. And so I, I, I realize I just ramble a lot. But my point is just that the point I'm trying to get to, I guess, is that, like, in Crowfall, there's so many ways that you can go as far as, like, how you're going to progress your character. And none of them are kind of forced. Mm-hmm. And all of them feel optional. I mean, the only one that's arguably not optional is getting a vessel and then leveling higher up via the vessel, right? Yeah. But, I mean, otherwise, it's like, well, you could harvest and you could craft. You could sell stuff on the EKs. You could just farm dust. You could just farm gold. You could just farm shards and sell those for gold. I, you know, I don't know. Like, you could just farm. There's a lot of different ways that you can just kind of basically produce something of value or obtain, you know, farm something of value for yourself mm-hmm. so that you can then trade for something else. But it's not really, there's not really any, any, any rails to kind of push you in a direction. It's kind of like, well, I don't know. What do you want to do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's plenty of ways to, yeah, farm something of value or craft something of value. And since there's so many ways to look at it, I mean, people usually end up getting overwhelmed being like, well, I don't know what to do. And it's like, well, I mean, obviously the easiest way is to focus on one thing. But, I mean, if you have the desire to go out and do something else, you can. And you can still get value that way. I mean, there's no nothing holding you back. I mean, the amount of specking, I mean, you touched on that, is just amazing to me. I mean, I'm, I'm, I've respected so many times. Anyone that doesn't have VIP, I don't, I don't know what you would be doing because you'd probably be spending a lot of gold. Yeah, whatever, <laughs> yeah, was it like fifty grand someone. or something? <laughs> yeah, fifty or seventy-five. Something. But I mean, it's so much more fun to be able to just experiment with everything. I'm, I mean, I'm going back and forth over the last two points. Mm-hmm. And I could put these last two points in probably like three three different ways, four mm-hmm. different ways, I don't know, that ultimately change the character quite a bit. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And that's what I mean, though, is just like there's in, – in, like in, in a game like WoW, it's like, okay, well, so first you're going to level up. That's the first set of rails that we're going to give you. And that's going to take quite a while. Mm-hmm. In Crowfall, that happens almost instantly. So that set of rails is gone right away. And then in WoW, it's like, okay, well, assuming you want to play your, you know, your your tank druid, right? Well, now here are different... There's, there's basically two sets of higher-end gear you can obtain. You could either go the PvE route and do, like, dungeons and raids and that kind of stuff to get gear, or you can go PvP and do Battlegrounds and Arena and get higher-level gear that way. But that's really it. Like, you really can't... I mean, you can craft some gear in WoW, but it's usually outdone very early in a given expansion by better dungeon drops or raid drops and that sort of stuff. Uh Uh-huh. So, I don't know. It's like, 
again, there's a, there's a, a rails, right? There's a, a, there's lines drawn, like this is how you'll obtain that. Mm-hmm. And again, in Crowfall, you I mean you hit 30 on day one and then mm-hmm, like, what are you going to do? <laughs> like, how do yeah. you, how do you plan to get the gear? Cause you have <laughs> to have it crafted somehow. And uh-huh. so is that you, is that a guild? Is that, is that you making money? Is that you getting the mats on your own? How, what are you going to do? And again, there's not really anything that just says like, well, here's the way that that's done. And I think that can make it feel like, well, this game is kind of confusing or, you know, again, just like a lack of direction. But I, I think that it's actually great. It just, it just can be difficult to comprehend at first. I don't know. Or maybe yeah. I'm just really stupid. That's also <laughs> that's also a complete and total option here. I mean, that's that's very fair. I mean, I, I question that a lot for myself because I run into things like, hey, what about this option? Or what about doing this? And it's like, yeah, it actually just says that. Maybe I just need to read more. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I think the traditional rails, right, you're right, they, they go away right away. And then it's kind of up to you to build those other rails. Like, I mean, there's a lot of different ways to go about it. Like you said, guild help, but even just your own progression. I mean, you're going to have to figure out the vessel because really the grind from 30 to 35, even if you have vessels, the experience takes quite a bit longer. Yes. Um, I mean, it's not like ridiculous, but it definitely feels more traditional. I'm going to grind some mobs kind of thing. Right. Which is fine. I I enjoy it. And I think that that amount of time, like 30 to 35 is a good, a good balance for that so far. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I don't know. And it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's just interesting. The, the, the variety of ways in which you can progress and how much freedom you really have in that choice, which I do think ultimately is actually more fun, Mm -hmm. but I mean, you know, I'll try not to just have the same rant I have every week, but it's yet again, it's, it's needing to, it's, it's, you know, you and I joke about like, well, we just probably need to read more and that's fair. That's (laughs) very fair. Yeah. However, not well, everything is explained in the tooltips. Not everything tools. is explained. <laughs> well, and 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 like like for example, you know, it could be more intuitive. For example, if I have so as the cutthroat, like when you when you choose cutthroat as your profession or I don't remember what they call it, spe- specialization whatever within the assassin talent tree, you get a set of passive bonuses for choosing that, which is true of every profession for every class, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, one of them is like you do extra backstab damage. Your backstab hits harder now because just because you're a cutthroat spec. Well, it could reflect that in the tooltip of backstab now that I'm mm-hmm. a cutthroat, right? Mm-hmm. But it doesn't. Like mm-hmm. it could it, it could be intuitive in a way where it tie where it recognizes like, oh, you've specced into these things and those things have these passive benefits on this other ability. So now mm-hmm. when you look at the other ability, that tooltip will reflect those changes as well. Yeah. Things like that, things like in crafting, 
so this is going to out me as a, well, I'm already out it. Anyone who <laughs> listens to this and plays it all knows I already don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I didn't know about the, the, like the goggles for necromancy oh. or the hammers yeah. for weapon and armor crafting and stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, after quite a bit of searching, when you, after you explained it to me, after quite a bit of searching on my own, trying to find it, I finally found one person that said that they drop from group and raid bosses. Mm. And that's where you get those items. Okay. Which okay. is like, okay, fine. I, I don't know. Those items are not referenced anywhere else, though. Like, there's no way, unless you just go kill a group or raid boss and get the loot, how, how would you know? And the benefits that they give, like in the example of necromancy, when you put the goggles on, it shows a whole bunch of extra slots to put the additives into. Right, right. Well, uh, yeah. you don't see those slots even without the goggles. Like, <laughs> yeah. so you don't even know that there's a goggles to obtain because you don't even know there's another option to the crafting until you've got those goggles. And you can't wear those goggles unless you have the blue crafting belt. Right? Like, I mean, yeah, there's, it's insane. I, I mean... I literally just was like going through recipes and clicking on additives and being like, does it go in there? I don't know where it goes in. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and it's, I I mean, I actually think the crafting system is cool. Like I think that the Crowfall crafting system, as far as the way that recipes work generally, I think it's neat. Like, I think that the armor, I think the recipe for leather armor that gives plus to spirit and leather armor that gives plus to decks is the same basic recipe, but the mix of ingredients that you use changes the outcome of what the stats will be. Like, Mm -hmm. that's really innovative. I've never seen that before. That's cool. Mm -hmm. But yeah, like, you got to explain more of this in the game. And, (laughs) And frankly... I'm sorry. We, you know, we early on in the show, we used to shout out other creators and whatever. We're all about the Crowfall community. And for the people who have stuff out there that, that we can use, like, thank you. You're awesome. So I'm not trying to disparage anyone, but the truth is, is that there's not a super robust community of people just constantly posting guides on how this stuff works. Yeah. So. Yeah. It, you know, it's like, well, Minecraft doesn't explain a lot of things in the game. That's true. Minecraft also has billions of players and infinite resources to figure out how to do something. That's just not true for Crowfall. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I mean, hopefully that will be something that develops as the, the game continues on. And I imagine that... I mean, there's been a lot of changes to those systems too over the the time that was it was in development. So even stuff that is out there, I mean, depending on when it was, could be outdated. Oh yeah, you have to. I mean, I shouldn't say you have to. Anytime I search anything Crowfall, I filter the results to be within the last you know since July of this year, yeah. or since June, I should say, of this year, at least. Because mm-hmm. yeah, otherwise you get stuff from 2015. Mm-hmm. doesn't work or even 2019 doesn't work that way anymore crowfall was in beta long enough there were other crowfall podcasts that started and died already before the game <laughs> was officially released 
<laughs> we're the first podcast with the live game, but we're not actually the first Crowfall show, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I've seen some random accounts out there. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> anyway, and just to, to, to tie this back together so it doesn't just sound like an inane rambling session, which maybe that is all it is. All of this stems from the conversation about some of the guildies that we had in that first alliance left to try other games or take breaks, and we're hoping they come back. And I hope they come back because I think the game offers a lot. But, again, tying it to, to player retention and, and really new players, it's still some of the same stuff that we talk about week over week. Like, hey, we've got we've to make it more intuitive for users to understand what the hell's going on here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, for sure. Agreed. So, yeah, so you and I had a lot of a lot of siege fights last week. Yeah, we do. We had a little bit of a more busy, busy mm-hmm. schedule. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, yeah, it was, it was a ton of fun. I know we try and typically avoid the in-game politics of it all, especially while we're mid-campaign still, so we can do that. So we don't have to get ultra-specific, but I just wanted to touch on the the fact that our uh, alliance has a, a shot caller in it who is just excellent, frankly. And when I say shot caller, I don't mean like in prison where, <laughs> you know, not that kind of shot caller, but literally, you know, the person in the fights who in voice chat is, is giving direction overall and moment to moment when fights are happening yeah, And it really, it's a credit to our whole group. The shot caller is excellent, and the rest of the group does what they're asked. It's pretty mm-hmm. rare that you have anyone not follow orders, and and I've never heard anyone argue, ever. Yeah, I mean, in, in large-scale fights like that, my experience of, of having a shot caller like that, or general, maybe... I don't know. I mean, that's that's the best experience that I've ever had. Just being able to call out the situations as they happen and really kind of already have an idea of what would be the best way to maneuver in that situation. I mean, we took we took on attacks from two different sides in the field. And that hit us pretty close together i mean within a few seconds i mean several times and we're able to sometimes wipe both the groups but survive those fights more often than not and and we were i was talking with him you know afterwards at one point and i was like i'm not so sure that like any other alliance would have survived that as well as we did. And like just complimenting him on, on his directing really. Yeah. Well, to me, it's interesting because it's like, okay, so we've obviously we spend a lot of time talking about the design of Crowfall and the outcomes of that on this, this show. And the game does a lot of stuff to try create an environment to have fun PVP fights in. Mm-hmm. And it does really good in that in a lot of ways that we've talked about. But there's also this element of the human element. And obviously that's, you know, maybe most easily manifested in like 
how good are people at pressing the buttons and doing the abilities in the right order or whatever, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is fine. But man, like the value of the shot collar, it, it's enormous. Like mm-hmm. again, without getting into too much specifics, like we had a fight, like you said, where we're getting hit in the open field where we get in, we get attacked from one side we respond to that before that fight, like before everyone is dead on the enemy side from that engagement, literally in the same physical space, we get attacked from behind by another alliance. Mm-hmm. We manage to turn around and fend them off. And then people from the first fight have returned or showed, you know, reinforced whatever. And we turn back around a third time and wipe them again. Mm-hmm. And it was all very specific, like pulling us, you know, in the open field encounters, taking us in very specific directions. We had some fights inside of a keep where we're like retreating back into some ward room and then like up the stairs in the room. And like, honestly, the the, the person's ability to just have the situational awareness that they did is remarkable to me. And then, yeah, just their ability to actually execute it. And again, credit to everyone else playing in that group too for following those orders. But mm-hmm. it, it, what I, you know, what I said to you afterwards, I was like, it's so crazy because because we had that shot caller. Our story is the one I just told. We get attacked mm-hmm. from two different sides by two different enemies. We manage to to hold them off and win and survive and, and go on. And it's this, I mean, probably one of the most fun large group PvP experiences I've ever had. Yeah, I mean to be clear, in Dark Age of Camelot, I played with some groups that had shot collars, but they were like eight man teams because in Camelot, eight people was the the size of a group. Mm-hmm. So it was it was eight on eight fights. So it's basically group on group fights. Mm-hmm. And so the shot collars and those that I played with were usually pretty good as well. But that is so much different calling an eight on eight fight than calling a sixty on sixty fight. Right, or a right. 60 on 80 fight when 40 are on the north and 40 are on the south or whatever, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. It, it, it's just remarkable, his ability to do it. And if we don't have that person calling those shots, and maybe someone else steps up, I don't know. But if we don't have that level of leadership, we wipe. And that story is now, we're frustrated. We got attacked by two different guilds that aren't even really allies in the game, right? They're red to each yeah. other too. And, uh-huh. and this sucks now because we can't win. And even though the game doesn't allow them to ally here, they are still allying against us. Right. And right. instead we don't care about any of that. We're like, yeah, all <laughs> that. And you still got wrecked kids. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're like, who? I'm right. Like... Right. <laughs> Is your guild name Raja Bell? <laughs> Never heard of him. But anyway, so yeah, I just I don't know. I just I just really wanted to highlight, I guess, the importance of a shot collar and how much it changed because we could have all the same gear, all the same head count, everything could be the same and if we don't have that person with that ability to have that situational awareness shot calling for us, again, it all of the rest of ever all the work that we did is irrelevant because we die, certainly. Yeah, I mean, there's there's no way that we would have survived those fights out in the field, and definitely, you know, 
in the siege situation, especially when the walls go down. I mean, there's such a there can be such a jostling for position as they try and get inside and and so on. But so yeah, I have I have one final story, and then obviously I don't mean to just talk over you. I have one other story that you weren't actually there for. Mm-hmm. So we were going to be defending keeps, mm-hmm. and there's two that we need to defend. And they're in different zones. So there's two enemies coming. And we think we know which order they're going to attack the keeps in, basically. And we think we know which guild is going to attack which keep in which zone. Uh-huh. We ended up being a little bit wrong. But the way it ends up playing out is we have a scout at the zone entrance. Stealthing, of course. Mm-hmm. The, the one of the enemy guilds zones in. So we go and it, with our group of like 50 people and hug up against the T that is the, like that is the stairway coming out of the, the zone portal. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they can't see us. Cause again, we're all pushed up against the, the wall there. So they end up running off and, and, and making their, their way to wherever they were going which again is to see just in some capacity. So as soon as they leave that staircase, we give chase. So we start following after them and manage to pick off probably like eight of them. It was like lions hunting gazelles or something. We're like chasing them down <laughs> and manage to catch some stragglers. Right. Yeah. But we don't kill all of them. Most of them get away. Well, the, we left our scouts at the zone portal. Well, the other Alliance that we were expecting a fight with also zones in, but they run a different direction from the other guild, right? Mm-hmm. So we have another scout in the field that now goes looking for this second group that's that's joined. Mm-hmm. Well, the scout finds them and tells us, hey, they're at whatever coordinates. Well, we were like one square away on the map, mm-hmm. right? So the leader, the same shot caller, is like, cool, head, head east, or you know, I'm just making that whatever, head whatever direction, Let's try and intercept them. And dude, it was just like Total War. The the video game Total War. It was it was just like a Total War ambush battle where they were literally the other alliance is running in a giant line uh-huh. perpendicular to our direction. And we oh, smash man. into the side of them, dude. It was like a legit <laughs> a legit oh, flank. And in ambush, like they didn't know we were coming and we just smashed into them and just mopped them up. It was so cool. It was so satisfying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I bet. Oh, man. It was that's, nuts. That's amazing. Uh, yeah. yeah. It, it, I've never, like I said, the, the closest thing I can think to is, again, like if anyone's ever played the Total War strategy games like Rome Total War, mm-hmm. to, uh, Three Kingdoms, whatever, Medieval Total War. You, if you ambush an enemy army in that, when it goes to the battle scene, you know the enemy army is stretched out in a big line, and you attack them from the sides uh, and just kind of surprise them. And yeah, that's exactly what happened here. It was it was crazy. I did not expect to ever see that <laughs> in an MMO like that. And a shout out to the scouts for oh, uh, dude, keeping tabs. Yeah, you know? no, it was great. It was great. Well, and it, what was even funnier was that when that second alliance had zoned in we saw that they zoned in, but then they, they went a different direction. We didn't have anyone on them. Mm -hmm. And, and so then after we had chased down the stragglers of the first group, 
someone was like, can we get someone to get eyes on the, that second group? And no one knew where they were for a second. And then, yeah, some guy's like, hey, I found them. <laughs> so at this, and we're like, cool, head over. And then, yeah, just complete smashing. It was excellent. Man, I wish I could hear the, the recording from their side. Oh, my God. It had to be <laughs> string of curse words. It had to be string of curse words. But it's, it's the... it, it like, legit, there's not that option in another game. Mm-hmm. Like... Dark yeah. Age kind of offered that, but in Dark Age, everyone just AOE mezzed. So mm-hmm. it wasn't the same, you know? Yeah, it was, it was, they weren't fighting back over like the first half of that. Yeah, and no one's on mounts. There's something mm-hmm. about everyone being on mounts <laughs> 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 that just looks, the, the look of it, you know, aesthetically very pleasing. Full pod. You can also check out my other podcast, The Walk Show, which explores the walk of life through interviews with a variety of guests, or my other podcast, Pick Up Your Sticks, which is a show about video games where we explore the idea of why gaming matters. As always, thanks for the listen. Have a great week. Stay up.